is Tea to Green, Central Ohio's premier golf show. Now here's your host, recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Southern Ohio PGA of America and Hall of Fame, Skip Mossick. And hi again, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Tea to Green here on The Fan. Another very busy week in the golf world. Major championships this week for the ladies and the seniors while the PGA Tour is in Minneapolis. We'll head there in just a bit and visit with longtime golf writer, now Golf Channel contributor, Ron Syrak. We will also visit with our old friend, former Ohio State All-American, women's coach and OSU Hall of Famer, PGA professional Steve Groves, who's still teaching after all these years up in Kinsey. We'll chat with Grover on the range later. And as always, we have another terrific golf prize pack that someone will get the opportunity to win this weekend. Details on that shortly. But we will begin with former Buckeye Bo Hogue. Still trying to get it done out on tour. We tried to get some Buckeye karma prying to this week's tour stop outside of Minneapolis. 75-67 the first two days for Hogue to make the cut. And who also made the weekend at last week's event out in the Lake Tahoe area. And we asked Bo his thoughts on the modified Stableford scoring system used last week. Only one week of the year. But what he likes or doesn't like about it yeah um it's kind of fun it's something different um kind of gives the event you know a bit of a, a trademark um from from the other events on tour um and yeah it just places an emphasis on trying to make birdies or eagles um you know you get two points for a birdie zero for a par and minus one for a bogey so you're better off going birdie bogey than you are a par par um so it's, it's it's fun, different and fun. I know you were playing out west, obviously, but did you get a chance to catch any of the opener, at least some highlights? And boy, wouldn't we all love to have a little bit of that Cameron Smith putting magic? No. <laughs> yeah, I um, actually when I teed off on Sunday in Tahoe, I basically missed. Uh, it was kind of signed up where I missed the the uh, the final round of uh, Cam Smith, so I didn't get to see much of it, but. Um, Someone had told us in in the gallery, you know, that uh, that, that Smith had won, and yeah, he's obviously a really good, a great player overall. But chipping and putting, he's he's one of the best out here. We're chatting with former Buckeye Bo Hogue this morning. T to Green here on the Fan. Bo, you top twenty at the John Deere a few weeks back. On the weeks where you've had good results, I, I guess what's been the difference for you those weeks versus others? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. We're all trying to figure that out uh, when we play good, but. Um, yeah, I just um, didn't do a whole lot different than I normally do. Um, just you get a couple things clicking here and there, and um, had the putter going that week, and I was, you know, was hitting it well. So kind of firing, firing all cylinders, and um, got to get out on Saturday a little ahead of the leaders, and and shot 63, which kind of put me in contention there. Um, gave myself a chance, you know, to do something on Sunday. Um, so just kind of that, you know, that one one you know, good stretch of hole somewhere where, you know, I think I shut 30 on Saturday morning on the front. So, you know, you just kind of need that a good hour or hour and a half of golf somewhere on the course. And, and then, uh, you know, you can kind of roll after that. Well, Bo, you played well there in Minneapolis the past couple of years. Just tell us about confidence, just, you know, from a mental aspect, going to a place where, you know, you've had success prior. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The last two years here at 3M, I think I've had, uh, a 12th and a 16th. So, um, yeah, I've had some, had some good rounds here. I remember two years ago, I had a 63 on Sunday, um, to really move up the board. And yeah, I feel like I've just, um, got good vibes, like you said, and you know, the holes just look good to me. And, um, 
like the greens. I feel like they're rolling well out here. Um, a little smoother than even last week in uh, in Tahoe. Um, so yeah, a bit of a midwestern golf course. You know, just kind of just feels comfortable to me. You know, Bo. We also talked with the fellow former Buckeye Ryan Armour about this. A similar situation as you're in, finishing just outside the top 125 a year ago. How challenging is it to set your schedule? Maybe not knowing too far in advance where you can play. Yeah, you know, um, it was it was a bit of a challenge in the fall uh, when we first started the wraparound schedule. Um, you know. Uh, our category didn't get into a ton of events to start out. Um, so it was kind of, you know, mix and match, uh, in the fall portion. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, this summer, man, I've really gotten into quite a bit of tournaments. Um, so, you know, I'll probably get into, you know, 20 events or so. Um, you know, you, you kind of have an idea of which ones you're going to get into. Um, so I, I, I can't complain. I've had, had a lot of opportunities going to have, uh, handful of more here coming up so um yeah it's been it's been been pretty good you know we can see where everybody is in the standings that being said let everybody know what one or two really good weeks can do for you as we reach this point of the season yeah i mean um a good week you know giving you a good position to get in the fedex cup playoffs again um so and then from there you know once you get you get to the first event you know those points are uh magnitude of the points in the playoff events are, you know, I think tripled or quadrupled. So, um, you know, I want to get too far ahead of myself, but if you have a good week, you know, get yourself in position for the playoffs. And then from there, you know, if you have, you know, good, uh, good finish, you know, you can get your, find yourself, um, you know, at East Lake in the top 30. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I don't want to get too far down the sure. road, but, um, you know, a good, a good event can really set you up for, you know, it just goes quick, you know, it's just, you're always, you're always, um, one week away from something really good. You know, Bo, so much has been said about guys jumping to the Live Series. My question to you, though, is does the guys that have jumped to Live open up more spots, giving players in your situation the opportunity to play more? Yeah, I think they're, um, I think the tour is still trying to figure that out exactly. I think, you know, we've heard some ideas uh, bounced around, um, you know, whether some players have uh, technically resigned from the PGA Tour. Um which I think they'll be basically removed from any kind of FedEx implication. Um, then there's other players that are you're playing the live tour, but they're, they haven't, um, you know, legally resigned from the, from the PGA tour. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out with them. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, this whole thing's going to be kind of a work in progress and, I'm sure there's going to be some some things that are going to have to be determined, you know, in a court somewhere. Yeah, Bo, last thing. We saw how the Corn Ferry playoff model will be changing next year. How does that maybe affect guys uh, who might be in your current situation who could always use that as a fail-safe to possibly get their full status back? Um, yeah, I mean, the cha- I think, let's see, we're going to be doing that not this fall, but I think next fall right. the change is going to go into effect. Um, yeah, maybe I, I still don't know the complete details, but I think um, I know that they're bringing back uh, like the Q school that can go to the PGA Tour. Right. Um, so yeah, if, if if you're a Corn Ferry Tour player and it doesn't happen to work out for you in the regular season, um, you know the Corn Ferry Finals are, are are no longer going to be a thing. But you could go to Q school and still get um, you know a card on the PGA Tour from there. Um, so a little different, but, um, from a player's perspective, you know, it doesn't change much, you know, you just got to go play well and, um, you know, you've always got an opportunity if things don't work out to, 
to kind of get back. Uh, you know, if, you, if a player needs to use the Corn Ferry Tour to get back on the PGA Tour, then then you know that happens all the time. Former Buckeye Bo Hogue, we appreciate your time. Play well this week, Bo. You know we'll be pulling for you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Gib. Hogue sits at even par and will play the weekend. Let's check in on the leaderboard there outside of Minneapolis as we get you warmed up with some chip shots. 97.1 The Fans, T to Green. Chip shots. TPC Twin Cities, the site of this week's event. Scott Piercy, your leader at the midway point at 13 under par. It's been a while for Piercy to be in this position, and all he wants to do is finish the deal. Yeah, I mean, obviously it feels great. I mean, it's been a little bit since I've played like I feel like I should play. You know, to uh, sort of kind of prove it to myself again. To, I know it's in there. It's just like, okay, how do we get it out of me, you know? And so, um, you know, there, there's a lot of business to take care of this weekend. Um, but to come out the first two days and do what I did is gives me a lot of confidence going into the weekend. Piercy, your leader by three over Emiliano Grillo, 67-65 the first two days for Grillo, who says he took advantage of the early tee time Friday with the wind being down. Yeah, it was definitely softer than yesterday. Uh, yesterday afternoon, it was very dry. So today it was more of a little, you, you could fire at pins a bit more. Uh, greens were rolling almost perfect. Um, when you play in the morning, with, uh, I think we play five or six holes almost with no wind. So you got to take advantage of those and then just try to you know, do your best coming in. Alone in third at minus eight sits Callum Tarrin, 63, and low round of the day for for Tarrin on Friday, who says he's playing great. Yeah, um, I think I've only had one bogey over two rounds, so um, game's in a good place. I'm hitting plenty of fairways, plenty of greens, and like you say, I'm in a good position going into the weekend. Four players are six back at minus seven, including Tony Finau, who says he likes the way he's playing. Yeah, the game feels like it's in a good spot. You know, I scored it really nicely yesterday, and I hit it really nicely today. I didn't hit it that close, you know, so even though I didn't make that many putts, I rolled it nicely. It was nice to get one on seven, which was my 16th hole. I felt like I had a, a bunch of looks beforehand that, you know, weren't going in, and it was nice to roll one in on, our, on my way home. So, um, But overall, it's been a solid couple days. Again, all chasing your leader, Scott Piercy, at minus 13, heading into the weekend. Elsewhere this week, major for the seniors at the Senior Open in Scotland. Darren Clark, minus 8, leads there by 2. Major for the ladies this week as well in France. Brooke Henderson, minus 16, she leads there by 4. World Tour in England, Paul Waring, minus 11, leads by 2. Corn Ferry Tour in Missouri, David Coker, minus 15, he is your leader there by 2. Well, it is hard to top last week's Open Championship. We'll break it down and discuss more live golf ramifications this week with our friend Ron Syrak. That's next as Tita Green continues here on The Fan. Back to Central Ohio's premier golf show with Skip Mossick. This is Tita Green on Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back, everybody. We have another terrific golf prize pack that we're giving you the opportunity to win this weekend. We have golf out at the Virtues in Nashport. Some balls from our friends at Titleist. Plenty of fan goodies we'll throw in the bag for you this week as well. Very simple to enter. Send me a tweet by 11 a.m. at Skip Mossick or go to 971thefan.com. You can find me on Twitter there. Do it by 11 a.m. Send me your winner for this week's PGA event outside of Minneapolis. We'll do a draw of all those who picked the winner correctly. Again, just one entry, though, per person. Good luck, and hopefully this prize pack will be yours. 
This is Backspin. Tea to Green. Backspin. Joined now by longtime golf writer, now Golf Channel contributor, Ron Syrak. And Ron, good morning. Almost a week later, people still buzzing about the Open Championship. That was about as compelling of a final round as you'll see. And, you know, really with the guys atop the leaderboard not paired with each other, it was hard to take your eyes off of it. It was nonstop. What stood out the most to you? Well, you know, first off, uh, shooting 64 to, in the final round of a major championship by Cam Smith was uh, pr- was pretty strong. Uh, I, I, his putting on the back nine was was just phenomenal. The, the key hole, I thought, with the up and down that he made the save par on the road hole number 17 was was just brilliant. Uh, it, it was brilliant that he knew what shot to hit, and it was brilliant that he executed it the way that he did putting around the road hole bunker and knowing that, I, that the best he could do is get at the 15 feet and then hope to make the par save, and he did exactly that. At the same time, um, you know, and also, oh, Cam had to overcome a, a gallery that was about 97% for Rory McIlroy. Right. And and then there was Rory McIlroy, who, uh, you know, I, he reminded me a little bit of, of, a, of an NFL team playing prevent defense, you know. It was like um, he thought – he was trying to avoid making the big mistake out there. And I don't think he thought anybody was going to be able to lay a, a 64 on him. And, and that's what happened. You know, a guy came out and blew right past him. Well, he was playing okay, but not making enough birdies. You know, Ron, I know you've been over there before. You mentioned the road hole. Which was the more difficult up and down for Smith on Sunday, 17 or 18? I mean, many don't realize just how difficult both of those were, regardless of the pressure. Yeah, you know, one of the brilliant things about about St. Andrews and, and, uh, uh, you know, they got the 20 under par, yeah, and that's pretty low, yeah. But there was no wind and there was no rain. But the fact that uh, how humpy and bumpy that golf course is and how brilliantly it's bunkered makes uh, makes it still uh, really, really difficult to, uh, to score there. Uh, you look at 18, it's a drivable par four, but you get up there around that green and you get in the Valley of Sin or some of those other swales up there, it's not easy to then get the ball close to the hole. And uh, that's, you know, I, I sort of, I tweeted uh, maybe about an hour ago. I said, you know, it's looking like whoever among Cam Smith, Cam Young, and Roy McElroy can play 17 and 18 in seven strokes is going to win this tournament. And uh, uh, Cam, Cam Smith played it in seven strokes. Cam Young played it in six strokes. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and uh, you know, McElroy played it in, in eight strokes. And uh, that, that, that was the key stretch right there. 17 is, is the hardest golf hole on the planet. And then 18 is that teaser short par four. You mentioned Rory, Ron. And of all the near misses for McElroy through the years, why might this one sting even more? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it, it was the 150th Open uh, at St. Andrews. It, it's it's uh, not only a – it's anytime – it's special to win the British Open anytime. It's special to win at St. Andrews anytime. To win on this anniversary would have been even more uh, special. I, I also think the, the activist leadership role that McElroy's taken – uh, defending the the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour against uh, Live Golf uh, has you know uh, put him in the spotlight in a way that he's never been before. He he's been very vocal and very prominent about how he feels about it out there, and uh, and he's played really well this year uh, in that role. And I think he's relishing that leadership role. 
And uh, I think he really wanted to enhance his position as a leader by winning this championship. Longtime golf writer, now Golf Channel contributor Ron Syrak, our guest this morning. T to Green here on The Fan. And Ron, you brought up the Live Series. Well, we saw this past week what all Henrik Stenson gave up to join Live. We've heard for years you know, how much the Ryder Cup means to the Europeans. But you know, to do this and give up a captaincy, you know, how surprising was that to you? It, it, it was what's fascinating about that is that uh, he signed a contract four months ago, uh, um, and, and and they discussed live golf then. And the European Ryder Cup leadership said to him, "If you're going to go, tell us now, because we're not going to pick you." And he's, "No, no, no, I'm I'm all in on you." And then um, uh, the money became too much. Um, uh, you know, Heinrich is interesting in the fact that I know at least once uh, he lost millions of dollars in a Ponzi scheme. Uh, um, there's a guy named Alan Stanford who currently right now is doing, uh, I think, 120 years in federal prison. For, he was running a massive Ponzi scheme around the same time that the Bernie Madoff stuff came. And my memory is Henry lost uh, $8 million in that. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just may be that um, the money just became too much for him to pass down. Uh, still, if you look at who Liv has gotten recruited so far, um, Stenson fits right in their wheelhouse. These are guys who really aren't competitive uh, on the, the regular tours anymore. And it's a chance for them to get free money and, and guaranteed money. It's going to be interesting to see in the week coming up, uh, they're playing at uh, uh, the Trump Bedminster course in New Jersey. It's 35 miles from uh, where the World Trade Towers stood. And there's going to be fam- 9-11 survivor families, 9-11 victim families out there protesting for the week. I, I don't think the addition of uh, Kokrak, Charles Howe III, and Heinrich Stenson is going to be enough to, enough star power to divert away from the other controversy going on. Ron, uh, other other news from this past week. It was announced that the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame will be moving from St. Augustine back to Pinehurst and will be run by the USGA. As someone who's covered some pretty special events there in St. Augustine, just your thoughts on the move. You know, I've been down there many times. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. There was nobody there. It was kind of sad. Yeah, you know, I I went to every Hall of Fame induction when they were in uh, uh, in St. Augustine, starting in uh, two, uh, 1998, I believe, was the first one down there, and uh, I, I went to every one, and and uh, uh, it was not only were there no um, relatively few spectators showing up, there were very few uh, uh, players and Hall of Fame members showing up. You know, and, and I do think that they eventually want this to get to be like the NFL Hall of Fame or the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, where it's really special to those people who are already in the hall to come back to the ceremony and be there to support the new inductees. Uh, I, I think it's a good move. Um, the, the location down there was um, was was not good for a couple reasons. One, uh, St. Augustine was like, too far from Orlando for it to be a family vacation. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you're going to go down with the kids and we're going to do a little Disney and plus we're going to go up there. And the golf courses were okay golf courses. But if, you, if you're a bunch of guys doing a bunch of a, a, a buddies trip, you know, you could find better golf courses to go to. So there was nothing really to get you to the Hall of Fame. There's a lot to get you to Pinehurst. Um, and I, I think that it's going to be good for the Hall 
it's going to enhance its profile, I think, and, and hopefully uh, enhance the uh, uh, the traffic in, in to see the exhibits there. Well, Ron, last thing, the LPGA is in France this week, a major event you've covered many times. I know a lot of folks are really rooting for Nellie Corda to come back from her scary blood clot health issue. It's probably difficult to compare that to other health issues other players have had to overcome. Do you get the sense that she'll eventually return to the form she was at prior? I know she's playing great, obviously, this week. Yeah, you know she's uh, she's done. Oh, she made her first uh, event back was the U.S. Women's Open. Tough to make a major championship, particularly U.S. Women's Open, your first tournament back. But she's been in the top ten in three of the four tournaments that she's played. So I think she's getting her form back. I think reclaiming number one in the world ranking is really a motivating thing for her. But part of what happened when she was away is a couple of other players have emerged as as really legitimate stars out there, and that's Minji Lee who's now won uh, – well, she won Avion last year, won the U.S. Women's mm-hmm. Open this year, and, and uh, Jennifer Cupcho, who uh, won the, uh, the, the Chevron Championship, the first major of the year, and she's now won three of her last ten starts. So uh, um, Nellie went away, and not only does she got to get back to, to top form for her – but she's got more competition out there now than she did before. Longtime golf writer, now Golf Channel contributor, Ron Syrak. Ron, we always appreciate your time. We'll touch base soon, okay? Back, talk to you down the road, my friend. All right, coming up, we will hit the range and catch up with our old friend, former Buckeye All-American and Hall of Famer PGA professional Steve Groves, who's still teaching up at Kinsale even today. We'll visit with Steve next as Tee to Green continues here on The Fan. <laughs> are listening to Tea to Green with the fan Skip Mossick. Skip Mossick. This is Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back, everyone. As always, thanks for tuning in. We have another terrific golf prize pack to give you the opportunity to win this weekend. We have golf out at the Virtues for you, balls from our friends at Titleist. Plenty of fan goodies we'll throw in there for you this week as well. Very simple to enter. Send me a tweet by 11 a.m. at Skip Mossick or go to 971thefan.com. You can find me on Twitter there. Do it by 11 a.m. Send me your winner for this week's PGA event outside of Minneapolis. We'll do a drawing of all those who picked the winner correctly. Again, just one entry per person. Good luck, and hopefully the prize pack will be yours. You are listening to Tita Green's On the Range. On the Range is presented by PXG. Nobody makes golf clubs the way they do, period. As we hit the range with former Ohio State All-American and Hall of Famer, PGA professional Steve Groves. Steve, of course, former women's coach there at Ohio State, spent so much time with the city of Columbus golf courses, still teaching to this day up at Kinsale. Steve, good morning. How long do you want to keep doing this? Well, I don't know. I'm having uh, I'm having a lot of fun. It really is uh, is not work, Skip. It's just I have a great time. Uh, I I really don't. I mean, I I do work a lot when there's tournaments and and when, like we have a member member or a member guest. But you know, my hours are pretty good, and uh, I am doing a lot more teaching now than I than I did when I first started. Uh, this is my fifth year, but uh, no, I'm having a great time and enjoying it and. Uh, it's just a uh, it, it it it's a way that uh, we've been. My wife and I have been together. We're going to be together for this is our uh, going on our 49th year, and it, I think it's the reason why we've been together that long because we kind of pass in the night. <laughs> so uh, it uh, so it, it works out really well, and uh, I've enjoyed it. And 
I'll probably go a few more years I, I, and, uh, and, and continue to, to do it. So I enjoy it a lot. I want to go back in time. Always love talking about your playing days at Ohio State. What was the competition like back then in the early 70s versus, you know, what we see today? Well, it, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, when you start looking at uh, some of the people that played, you had uh, uh, Ben Crenshaw, you had Tom Kite, you had Tom Percher, you had um, – uh, Tom Watson, uh, it, just to name a few, that era uh, was when was my first year. My first year at at uh, in in '69 and uh, '70, we had the NCAA tournament, and and uh, all those guys were 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 at were at Ohio State, and uh, it was my first really experience of you know getting to to know most of those guys and. Um, uh, it was it was it was amazing. It, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I know Crenshaw strung a bunch of NCAA championships together. Did it begin that year? Then no, Crenshaw did not. As a matter of fact, Crenshaw was was not. It, the guy that won it that year was um, John Mahaffey. He gotcha. was from University of Houston, and he was a great player. And Houston was uh, back then was really the the team. And he came down and he beat he beat Lanny Watkins. Uh, and they, they played each other, and uh, we all kind of went out and watched, and he beat Lanny the last three holes and just uh, uh, made all kinds of putts, and Lanny couldn't make anything, and Lanny was beside himself. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Groves, our guest this morning, tee to green here on The Fan. We mentioned uh, you know Scarlett hosting the NCAAs in 70, just one of many times it's done so over the years. I know it was a different golf course back then, but how did it stand up with all those great players? Oh, I think it, it, it did very well, and I think it, it, it always has. And, uh, you know, you got to remember, uh, you know, back then we still had uh, – uh, Wood clubs. We still had. We still had. We still had uh, wound balls, and so. Uh, but it played. I, I think at its at its max back then, it played right around sixty eight fifty to sixty nine hundred yards, which back then was a long golf course. Uh, one, two, and three still played long, no matter you know, no matter where you sure. play from. And uh, but it held up very good. Uh, I know that. Um, I think there were a couple really. Good scores. I think there were some 66s and 67s scored and, and, and whatnot. But for the most part, uh, I think everybody really struggled to, to, uh, to shoot par, which was always a, a, a good score when you, when, when you played Scarlet. You know, lots of personal accolades during your playing time here, Steve. Two-time All-American, three-time All-Big Ten. Did you ever try to make a run at it playing professionally when you were done here at Ohio State? And I guess how much more difficult was it then versus today, or was it? Well, I, I did. I tried. Actually, I tried to qualify three times. But back then, you really only had like one time. You had the. They, they did have a uh, a tour school, and um, it was a six six round tournament. You would go and 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 play, and if you missed it, then you were done. I mean, you had no chance. And uh, I tried three times and and missed it all three times, and um, and then. Uh, started playing uh you know on the mini tours and things of that nature and then in 1975 decided to go to work uh in on the other side of the golf business and i went to work for jim logue up at canton brookside and then i've been in the business since uh 1975 to now as you know as as, as a pj professional at, 
at, at a club or at a at, at some part of that for the for my life. I always wanted to ask you this, Steve. I want to say the Hogan Tour didn't start up until around 90, obviously now the Corn Ferry Tour. Had there been a tour like that in place back in the early 70s, you know, how might that have changed your career path? It probably would have done that because we did – the only thing we had was, was like the mini tours. And so you would – you would uh, there was a, a, a tour that I played in Florida that uh, J.C. Goosey, who was a former – uh, uh, tour player had started, uh, and basically you put up your own money. You put up fifteen hundred dollars for five events, uh, three hundred the tournament, and he'd have about a hundred. Uh, he'd have about a hundred players, uh, and you would go in and play f- and, and and basically play for your own money. And there was there were several tours all over the place. You'd have some you had to really watch. There were a couple that uh, you would you would go and you know, send some money. And the next thing you know, you'd travel to Texas or you'd travel to California and you'd find out they told you there were a hundred players and you walked in the door and there were 25. <laughs> and, uh, so you never knew really what you were, you were getting into the, the one good thing that you did know is when you played on, uh, Goosey's tour in Florida, you were, you were guaranteed to having what he said. And so that's where a lot of guys ended up playing, but yes, if, if something like uh, the Corn Ferry Tour was in place then, that would have been able uh, to uh, uh, to do a lot of, of players like myself to have the opportunity to uh, get a lot of good competition and have the opportunity then to go on and maybe you know change have a career change. We're visiting with PGA professional Steve Groves here on The Fan. And, Steve, you went on to successfully coach the women's team at Ohio State for a number of years. You had some players, man. Take us, take us through the recruiting process as far as what it was then versus today. I know Coach Brown faced similar challenges on the men's side. Well, it was, um, again, a lot different than they face today. I mean, right when I first started um, – uh, was when the European players were starting to come over. Sweden was starting to, to send quite a few players, and um, J.R. Abels, who I replaced, had recruited a young a young lady from England to come over, and he that was that was the first uh, the first lady the first lady that that I had when when I got there. She was uh, on scholarship, and she was from England, and that's the first player I think we recruited from overseas. But it was, uh, it was a little different. Uh, a lot of really, really great young players who, uh, part of my first class, um, I recruited uh, uh, Kathy Cratchard, who is now Kathy Gehring, mm-hmm. who played the tour. And uh, part of my first class was Meg Mallon, who has obviously gone on to win three majors uh, and uh, become a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, but Meg was not one that I gave a scholarship to. Meg earned her scholarship, and um, and then, uh, but it was it was a little different um, because we were with it, there was a lot more uh, personal things from the coach. I didn't have an assistant uh, that went out. We don't have. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people now that are teaching, uh, that are taking uh, these young people uh, starting at like age 13 or 14 teaching them, coaching them, and then uh, guiding them to where they can go to college, whether it be Division I uh, or, uh, you know, maybe even, you know, NAIA, depending on what they can do. Uh, back then, you just kind of looked at uh, – you had uh, – I had golf professionals from all over the country that I knew uh, that, uh, you know, if they had a player, they would send me some information, and then I would go from there. 
Uh, and uh, but uh, it was fun. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that. Uh, you know, I've had I've had several of 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 the of the players that um, you know that, that I see from time to time. You know, they say, you know, I still have that first letter that you so <laughs> wow. you were one of the first coaches that contacted me and I still have the letter that, that you sent. Now they didn't come to Ohio state, but they still have that. And I, I th- th- those are, those are good things when you, uh, uh, when you think about it. Well, Steve, I know the answer to this, obviously, but how much would you have loved to have that dentist facility they have there now, not only when you coached, but when you played? Well, yeah, it would have been nice. I, I remember when, uh, when they opened that, the, the facility up, they, um, they had us over for like a, a little uh, a tailgate before one of the football games. And so I went over and I'm walking through it and going around and uh, a couple of the guys come up and, you know, I go, wow, guys, I said, this is pretty nice. And they go, yeah, this, that, and here. And I go, well, I said, you know, it's really nice because I said my first year when I came to Ohio state, I said my freshman year, I said, until we played the NCAA tournament, we didn't have a driving range. Right. We still had our own balls. We still went out, hit our own golf balls, shagged our own golf balls, and uh, did all that. And we didn't have a picker to pick up the balls until the national championship in 1970. Wow. So I go, you know, I said, this has come a long way. And <laughs> I go, I said, I probably would have never slept in my dorm if this place was here. I said, I'd have been here all, all the time. <laughs> it's pretty special. Former OSU All-American and Hall of Famer Steve Groves. Grover, we appreciate your time. Always great catching up. We'll see you up there at Kinsale soon, okay? Thank you, Skip. Talk to you later. All right, coming up, we we heard Steve tell us about playing with guys like Ben Crenshaw during his time at Ohio State. Crenshaw was, of course, this year's Memorial Tournament honoree. We caught up with him in April and thought we'd reshare some of that conversation with you next as Tita Green continues here on The Fan. This is Tita Green with Skip Mossick on The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully there's some golf in your weekend plans. But if not, we have some free golf for you all set out at the Virtues. Some balls from our friends at Titleist, plus plenty of fan goodies. We're throwing the prize pack for you this week as well. Very simple to enter. Send me a tweet by 11 a.m. at Skip Mossick or go to 971thefan.com. You can find me on Twitter there. Do it by 11 a.m. Send me your winner for this week's PGA event outside of Minneapolis. Again, Scott Pierce. Piercy is your leader at the midway point, minus 13. Piercy leads by by three, but a whole lot of guys in hot pursuit. We'll do a drawing of all those who picked the winner correctly. Again, just one entry per person. Good luck, and hopefully this prize pack will be yours. Well, last segment, former Buckeye All-American Steve Groves was talking about playing in the same era collegiately as Ben Crenshaw, who won three straight NCAA championships, by the way. Crenshaw was this year's Memorial Tournament honoree, and we had a chance to sit down with the World Golf Hall of Famer and thought we'd replay some of that conversation that began with any favorite stories between he and Jack Nicklaus. Uh, well, it's the good and the bad. Uh, I, I, was, I happened to be on the losing uh, Ryder Cup team when Jack was the captain. And of course, uh, that was in 1987 at Muirfield Village. We hated to lose for Jack. Oh, my gosh. But uh, about four or five of us fell down at the end and didn't do a good job for him. Uh, I I told the story today in 1977. 
uh, I played with Jack the last day at the at Masters in 1977, where Tom Watson barely pipped him at the end. He Jack played one of the greatest rounds I've ever seen. He only missed one shot, which was a, a sort of a fat six iron to the last hole, made a bogey. Um, but I, I told people, I said, you know what? If I if I would have done that, I'd have gotten very upset. And I'll never forget what he said to his caddy, Willie Peterson. He just looked at Willie and said, gee, that's too bad, Willie. And I thought to myself, God, if, if I did that, I'd be kicking over everything I could find, you know, naturally, hothead. But then I came into the, the, the uh, scores table there, and he looked over it. You know, and he, and he did once again. He said, to, gee, that's too bad. Uh, well, and then he looked at me and he said, Ben, you have got to do something about that floating right knee that you have. And I said, well, this is something else. This guy's just not blown the, the tournament by painful loss, and he's given me a lesson, <laughs> which is incredible. It's just like him. I mean, so helpful. He, I don't know. The guy had so much common sense. He always seemed to be doing the right thing. That's always the kind of guy he's been. Win, lose, or draw, he was always – the model sportsman. Uh, plus, he's been the greatest winner of all time, too. <laughs> We're visiting with this year's Memorial Tournament honoree, Hall of Famer Ben Crenshaw this morning, tee to green on the fan. And, you know, Ben, you brought up the 87 Ryder Cup at Muirfield Village. Now, you played the Memorial a number of times. I want to say your best finish here was runner-up in 83. Do you remember what the prize money was for runner-up back in 83? <laughs> no, no, I don't. All I know is Hale Irwin beat me, rightly so, but that was my best finish. I, I tell people the, the best story about about Muirfield Village to me. I won the Colonial Tournament in 1977, which was the week prior to the Memorial, and I thought my game was pretty good. And I came up, and my first day at at Muirfield Village that year, I shot 87, hmm. and now <laughs> I hit it in every wrong place. So that you talk about the good with the bad. I just won Fort Worth and came up here and shot eighty-seven in my first round. <laughs> <laughs> Prize money in eighty-three, Ben. By the way, thirty-five thousand. Thirty-five thousand in eighty-three. Thirty-five thousand bucks. Wow. <laughs> For a second place finish in eighty-three. That's unbelievable. That's how much wow. things have changed. No kidding. If you want to listen to that interview in its entirety or really any of our shows throughout the years, just subscribe to the Tea to Green podcast wherever you get your podcast. Well, a very busy day, as always, here on The Fan. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend are coming your way next, followed by Fan Sports Saturday at noon. Buckeye Replay, 3 o'clock this afternoon as we continue to relive the 2002 championship season. Today, Ohio State and Penn State from October 26th. Hello, Chris Gamble. Then it's uh, Bone and Bean United, and then Crew Soccer tonight as they host New England. Thanks for all of our guests for joining us this morning. For Bodie Wells, I'm Skip Mossick. Enjoy the golf this weekend. We will talk to you again next Saturday morning for another edition of Tea to Green right here on The Fan. You know I'll be in church next Sunday to save me from those double bogey blues.